Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. From an assortment of highly secure top secret locations throughout South Texas, this is the increasingly popular Spurs Insider Podcast. I am Mike Finger, back with sports editor Nick Talbot and beat writers Tom Ringo Starr, Orsborn, and Jeff McDonald. And guys, um, this team might not be totally predictable, but it's winning about as much as it's losing, and I guess that's as, that's as much as any of us can hope these days, right? Well, first of all, you say this podcast is uh, increasingly popular, uh-huh. but, but we, we got bumped today from our normal recording spot, so we can't be that that. You know, we normally record at eleven, and now we have to do it at ten. Uh huh. So we can't be that that popular. We we got bumped. Well, first of all, I don't know if you know how podcasts work, but the listeners have no uh, concept or really interest in no, what but time if we're, we're recording. So popular, we should be able to run this joint and and podcast whenever we want it and record whenever we want it. And I don't care who's coming in to take our spot; they have to wait on us. He is. He's. He's making a joking reference to the fact that the Pudo Politics podcast, which is also produced by the Express News and does does fine work. And I realized that what we do is very important and what they do is is not quite does not quite have the same <laughs> import in this world. But they, they do good, good work, too. And they have elected officials coming in. And and the least we can do is to. Uh, kind of adjust to the schedule of people who, who might not be making the same impact in the world as us making jokes about the Spurs, but we can at least in the spirit of cooperation. I mean, I believe they had, they had representative Castro. They had, they had representative Castro in right this morning. And like, what does that guy have to talk about? I know. I know. We just, we just have to get our own elected official to come in. <laughs> that, that, that's maybe, right. Maybe Castro could come on here and talk about the Spurs next week. Again, just because we talk about stuff that's way more important in the world does not mean we can't exhibit a sense of unity and cooperation with 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 all of our coworkers. I think that's that's the best we can do in this situation. And there, uh, there is one elected official looking for a way to communicate these days. <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of them. Boy, our, when I talked about the increasingly popular uh, podcast that we're doing, now, we, we might be getting in trouble. Um, anyway, <laughs> the the San Antonio Spurs basketball team. Oh yeah, those guys. Because that's what we're here to talk about. The, our local cagers are five and five after ten games. Did not exactly get there in the way that everyone might have predicted, especially on this road trip, where I think last week on the podcast. We mentioned that it was going to start out really rough, but if they could end up with maybe two wins out of the five, they'd be doing okay. And they won the first three right away. Um, and what did, what did Greg Popovich say yesterday? Kind of ran out of gas and hit a wall on Sunday in the second game of a back-to-back at Minnesota. But five and five after 10 games with that schedule, not not a bad spot to be. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm done trying to predict how this is going to go because it seems like every week we come in here and sort of try to project, and I'm wrong every single time. I've been all over them. I've been there, the worst team in the league. Oh, they're 2-0. and Maybe they're not the worst team in the league. Oh, they suck again. And uh, now now they're, they're kind of back in it. And I think we said look, last week, looking at the five-game trip ahead, if they can just win two of those, we're going to call that a successful trip. And then they started 3-0, and and they're 3-1 and going into the, the, the final game against the Thunders. Um, so you already have to say it's been a pretty successful trip for them. And you're right. In a way, we didn't necessarily – See it coming. I remember sitting here last week saying, I mean, they're clearly not going to win either of the games at Staples the way they're playing. So they have to make good work of the of the last three games on the trip. And and darned if they did dad gummed if they didn't go into go into Staples and win both of them suckers. Like like nobody does. That that they're the first team to go into Staples and beat the Clippers and the Lakers in consecutive games uh, since Kawhi and and LeBron were both in LA. So that's not something people do. Clippers went and done it. Um, and won the first game in Minnesota and then uh, somehow ran out of gas and hit a wall. It seems like if you run out of gas, you wouldn't hit the wall. You would, you would maybe they just rolled gently into the wall after running out of gas. I don't know how that, how that works. That's probably accurate. And to, to cut them some slack, uh, they had a little, even though it's the back-to-back or it's the second game against a team that it was on a, what a six or seven game losing streak in Minnesota. One of the, uh, one of the lesser teams in the Western Conference. There was some stuff working against the the Spurs on Sunday, and and that they lost their best player. Who I guess either either Tom or Jeff can provide an update on Demar Derozan. But that that was a that was a tough spot to be in for them playing the same team on the second night in a row without without their best player. And and to be fair, Minnesota did not have their best player either in Carl Anthony Towns, but. By the end of that game, that second game in Minnesota, not only are you down uh, DeRozan, obviously Derek White's not there. Uh, Drew Eubanks is in COVID protocol. Lonnie Walker's got cramps and can't go back into the game in the fourth quarter. Devin Vassell has banged knees and can't go back in the game in the fourth quarter. Um, there were no buttons to push, left to push for pop for a team running out of gas. And you kind of saw they went from nine up with nine minutes to go to, to um, you know, losing that game. Because of it, um, the update on DeRozan is um, what was that Saturday night? Um, got word he needed to get back to Los Angeles post haste to um, kind of visit and, and be with his his ailing father. Left Sunday morning, um, so was not available for that game. And then you know, due to the pandemic situation, it's not quite as simple as whenever he decides um, he's ready to come back and rejoin the team, he can just show up. There's some additional uh, hoops and medical red tape he's got to cut through before he can get there. So we don't really know when he's going to get back, um, but it's going to be longer than it would be if there was not a pandemic raging. And he's trying to mitigate that by uh, submitting to daily testing while he's gone, right? Yeah, that's one of the just one of the sort of um, protocols that, that the league has instituted. Like if you can show us negative tests every day that you're gone, it'll be easier um, right. for us for us to let it. Well, what will happen is uh, when he's ready to come back, the Spurs doctors and the league doctors will confer, go over his case, uh, weigh all kinds of stuff, including, you know, his testing and where he's been and what he's done and who he's been around and has he been in contact with anybody who had all that stuff. And they'll kind of decide the way forward. Does he need to quarantine? If so, for how long? 
uh, and that sort of thing. I, and it's uh, talking with the people at the league yesterday. It's really hard to say uh, to give a to give a window. How long will it take? Because you, you really don't know until you get into the, the nitty gritty of the case and and what has occurred since he's been away from the team. Well, obviously, you hope for the best for for him and for his. Well, like if he's hanging out with his buddy James Harden, this is going to be a problem. Right. He's going to take him a while a while to get back. Obviously, we all hope the best for him and his family, and and for him to take care of stuff there. And this this kind of pales in comparison to real life, but it's got kind of frustrating for for the Spurs and that and for Demar because he he played just a brilliant game that last night there, um, and had been playing well to start the season. Um, you know what what had been going well for the Spurs and for Demar in specific uh, over the past week or so, Tom. Um, uh, yeah, just, uh, he, he was closing games like, um, they had been accustomed to him doing, um, you know, that closer role, something he really relishes. He was, he was doing it rather well, especially in that 38 point game. Um, you know, interestingly now they, they have four members of their team, um, not all players in Los Angeles, uh, you know, Eubanks, as Jeff mentioned, Becky Hammond, and an unnamed staffer are quarantining, going through the uh, uh, COVID health and safety protocols, which can last up to 14 days. And, and you know, Drew, Becky, and the staffer are in Los Angeles. And, and Los Angeles uh, is going through a really tough time right. uh, with COVID. So it's just uh, it's just interesting. You've got all of them there. And um, uh we don't know yet if, if Drew and Becky and the staffer tested positive for legal reasons. The Spurs can't disclose that, but uh, they are going through the protocols. And they missed Becky. The, uh, DeMar, before he left, addressed that. Patty Mills and Pop said last night she continues to fulfill a lot of her coaching duties uh, from out there. You know, scouting reports, I would think, and game plan input, probably virtual meetings with the staff. But they, they miss her presence a lot. If, well, if, if, if they're in LA, if they're in LA for those four, those two full weeks, they're going to get sick of takeout from Tom or Tom's Urban at LA Live. I think <laughs> not everyone experiences Los Angeles the same way that you do on your many road trips there. All that's all I'll say. But not just me, but the whole team—they stay down at LA Live and never leave. But the 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 point that uh, that Tom was making about missing Becky, I think that applies to just about any staffer that's not about not to not to minimize Becky but there was a really interesting story um on espn.com last week about how overwhelmed um team medical staffs training personnel have been during this whole thing just because they're constantly um having to uh, you know adhere to to protocols and it's just a a, a 24/7 drain on on all the stuff they have to go through how difficult it has been for everybody and, and i would assume that losing becky losing any unnamed staffer just complicates that and makes it all the more um difficult for everyone to kind of navigate this this whole season that's been unlike any other um and uh i, I get looking ahead at the schedule there's at least no back-to-backs for a while when you look at, at how they are going to deal with no DeMar DeRozan, no Derek White, no Becky Hammond uh, for the for, for a little bit, but that there there's no great time to be without 
a bunch of people like that. That's true, yeah. but uh, other teams have had it worse. Clearly, I mean, yeah. you know, you got teams having to play with eight players, seven players. Um, so uh, the Spurs, in a way, have have been lucky to so far. Right. Um, but <laughs> it seems like it's going to get worse or more dicey before it gets better and less dicey. Yeah, we had our it's first home games there too. So, yeah. It's it's got to be demoralizing, I would think, as Pop mentioned last night. They're they're doing everything they can, and the Spurs have you know really adhered to the health and safety guidelines, the hundred page manual. Um, they've taken it very seriously for obvious reasons because of Pop's age, and you know even without that, they would take it seriously. But Pop's age certainly enters into the equation. But you know they're doing everything they can, and still, you know things are happening. And, then, and that, that said, this is what the NBA signed up for. It's what, it, mm-hmm. it, just like MLB, just like the NFL, I mean, they, they knew there were going to be some positive tests. They, they knew there might be some outbreaks within individual teams and knew there might have to be some games postponed. That's why they released the schedule in the way that they did. So I think, uh, you know, once you've decided we're going to give this a go outside the bubble, uh, you're, you're just signing up to accept some level of this stuff. So I think maybe while fans are freaking out and saying shut it down, the league's not even close to that point yet. They're, they're kind of right where they thought they would be, to be honest. I don't think any of this is surprising to Adam Silver or anyone at the league office. I and mean, we, we can argue whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's not surprising. And it's what, you know, what was expected when you're going to do this without a bubble. And to address that part of it, that the question that's been out there from some people – over the past week, especially, is well, why didn't they go back to the bubble? That was never an option. Ever, ever, ever. <laughs> it was it was hard enough to get everybody to stay there for the the, the first three months, and they were never going to do it for a whole season. They were never going to do it for another month. It just was not feasible for anybody. And uh, if they were going to do this, they were going to do this at home arenas. And and like Jeff said, um, the fact that that two games have been scuttled so far, um, that's probably what would have been expected in a that, that probably is one of the better case scenarios that people would have expected up to the first. Uh, I was going to say, if you, if, if you really had talked to the people at the league office and got their real thoughts, I think they think they've been lucky so far to just right. be two. Right. It, it will be football so far in terms of like postponed games. College football was a mess all season. Right. And there will be complications if an entire team has to, you know, shut down for a week because it's not just one game. It could be three or four. Um, if a team drops below the the eight minimum guys that they need, one already sort of did. The the Sixers the other day, I believe it was on Saturday, suited up the minimum eight players. But Doc Rivers said there was no way he was going to play the eighth guy. Was it was it Mike Scott who just wasn't ready to play yet? And so they basically played with seven guys for an entire game. And uh, if, if it ever drops below that, there could be some scheduling complications. And then maybe you get one or two teams that can't play for a, for a week. There's This isn't to say – we're not saying that this is the, – the league is just going to weather through it and all is going to be fine. There's going to be more stuff to deal with. But right now, um, they're kind of where they thought they'd be. I mean, I don't know if you look at, at MLB as a, as a positive role model or a negative one, because on the one hand, they had this going on all, all summer where games are canceled, series are canceled. Yep. Um, right. They're having to scramble, but they got through the season and they, you know, and finished the season, crowned a champion. But 
there's a dude on the field with COVID in game in the uh, game six of the World Series. So right. I don't know if you look right. at I don't know if you look at MLB as uh, you know a reason to hope or or a reason for pessimism that they just sort of got through. But holy holy crap! It's probably not a. It's just a data point. I mean, it's it's just another thing to look at how at at, at uh, you know how they weathered it. They probably did not do it as well as they could have. Um, th- I, I think another difference while we're on this subject, it one thing the NBA could have done is they could have expanded the rosters before the season started, um, allowed for more two way guys because. On a, on a major league team, if you're without a few guys, you can kind of weather it. And they have minor leaguers at alternate sites that they could plug in every now and then. But with some of the, like the, the Sixers are a good example. You have a maximum of 15 roster spots and two two-way guys, 17 players. And once you're down a few, it gets really dicey. So I, I think that's something that they could have considered to do different. Uh, aside, from, aside from teams maybe not wanting to pay the payroll, I don't see the downside of just you don't have to make roster cuts of training camp. Right. You can right. just keep your 20 guys. I don't see the downside of that except for it's just a little bit higher payroll. Yeah. In addition to everyone, um, so many people going through COVID protocols, there's just a, a slew of injuries right. too. Uh, so that Which might be related, you know, because guys absolutely. haven't been in the gym, haven't been doing the same physical stuff that they've been doing in a, in a typical year. Um, well, this got dark. Well, that's you know, it's what's going on. And, and here at the Spurs Insider Podcast, which is related to expressnews.com, where you can get all your Spurs information and all your information about the world. That's we, we, we talk about what's going on. I mean, if you want happy time podcasts, go listen to Poor Politics. <laughs> that's true. Um, <laughs> on the uh, on, on, on a happier note. Some Spurs have been playing rather well through the past several weeks, including in a losing effort last night, one Lonnie Walker the fourth, who somebody I saw make an astute observation about how he was playing the role of DeMar DeRozan early in last night's game. Um, and he's just the latest in a long line of younger Spurs who have kind of had their, their moments so far this season, right? Yeah, they've had okay. This is kind of a little bit amazing. They've played ten games, right? Uh-huh. They've had a they've had a different leading scorer in seven of those ten games, which is uh, tops in the league. Nobody else can can boast that many different leading scores. And Walker was the seventh uh, to join that list. So yeah, they've they've become a team that can sort of um, do it in, in in different ways. And it was it was fun to watch. I will I will say Lonnie had twenty two in the first half and three in the second. Right. So he also ran out of gas and hit a wall, which maybe is expected. I don't know. But but it was uh, fun to watch him operate there in the first half and figure out um, that he was maybe the most explosive player on the floor and use that to his advantage. That stat about seven different leading scores in 10 games is a funny one because you think, well, shoot, a lot of a lot of teams would love that, that kind of depth. And then you think, well, maybe a lot of teams would not like to have yeah. seven different guys. You never know who you're going to get. It's there's there's something comforting about having the same guy, you know, lead most nights where you can. It's you been, know it's been interesting, through. though, because it hasn't been like a cheap leading score a lot either. It's not like a guy right. who leads you with 16. You've had a lot of guys with season highs, career highs. DeMar matched his Spurs career high the other night. You know, DeJounte had a 29-point game. 
Lonnie looked like he was on the way to a career high. Um, that was Lonnie Walker's just second 20-point game of his entire career, so that was interesting to me too. But mm-hmm. they haven't had um, they haven't had cheap ones. They've had guys just kind of go off. And towards the end of, of, of the Sunday night game against the Timberwolves, the loss, you kind of saw where they're vulnerable. And I guess any team would be vulnerable without its best player. But, I mean, no DeMar DeRozan – Derek White could have been useful in some of those late right. last-minute possessions where there was that one sequence where they they kept drawing up plays. They were down by five or four with 40, 50 seconds to go. Would get up just a ter- terrible shot, and the, the Timberwolves would knock it out of bounds, and they'd get a chance for another one and get another terrible shot. This isn't to say that they were poorly designed. It was just there was no there was no legs left for Patty. There was no legs left for Lamarcus, who was playing the back, second night of a back to back after coming back from an injury. Um, it was it was just kind of a situation where they desperately needed somebody out there to kind of break it down and get a get a layup or something and they they just couldn't do it and and you think that will improve when you have either DeMar DeRozan or Derek White or Lonnie Walker on the floor yeah. at, at the end the, the contrast between the two nights in Minnesota the the down the stretch was I mean obvious the one night you've got um DeRozan scoring nine straight points to close the fourth quarter and get you to overtime mm-hmm. and the next night he's not available and they they can't get a bucket to save their lives right on the on the Lamarcus thing, who's his numbers aren't great, and he hasn't had what anybody would consider a, a great start to the season. Um, they were at one point what four and one with him in the in the lineup. I mean, he's he clearly makes them better. I, I believe that second game in Minnesota was the first game they had lost where he he played more than twenty minutes. I, I think since he's come back from his knee injury, he's played pretty well. He's played well. Yeah. Um, what. It's we're, we're we're recording this the morning after the only loss of the entire week. But what stood out to you guys through the through the first three, the the, the two big victories in in LA and and then the the OT against the Timberwolves. Well, Keldon Keldon Johnson, we haven't mentioned him yet. Just continues to be, uh, you know, with the exception of last night, he's he's played so well and. Um, you know, gives them continuously gives them that energy and, uh, you know, the, the headlong drives to the basket and, uh, you know, um, you know, it's, it's kind of, kind of wrong to say it's a surprise anymore. I mean, he's, he's really been, been consistent and strong and Ryan Sanders mentioned last night, um, just what, uh, you know, he's, he's like that guy for a long time now uh, dating back to college and uh you know er- everything about him um the spurs like so uh you know the more the more playing time he gets the better better he's going to be so yeah he stood out to me this this is venturing into ridiculous hot take territory and it comes with some caveats first of all one's the second year guy the other's just getting started without much of a training camp and the other guy clearly has you, well, the other guy I'm talking about is is this year's number one pick, Anthony Edwards of, of Minnesota. Um, mm-hmm. He clear you can you can watch him play and see what they liked about him. But I th- this is the hot take part. If you if you ask the Spurs, would you rather move forward with the mm-hmm. number one pick of the 2020 draft or the number 29 pick of the 2019 draft? I'm not convinced that the Spurs wouldn't take 
the number 29 pick in the 2019 draft in Keldon Johnson. That dude is, yeah. that dude is going to be, uh, to add to this hot take, that guy's going to be a star. He's Here's just, my hot take. Okay. The Spurs totally missed on Keldon Johnson with number 19 <laughs> first, in that draft. First time. That draft. That's, that's the thing. And that's, <laughs> that kind of adds to the uh, Madhu Ginobili type um, uh, aura to this in that people always give the Spurs credit for drafting Manu, which they do they deserve. They found him. And he's going to be a Hall of Famer. But if they loved him that much, they could have taken him in the first round. You know? <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, that Keldon's going to be, I, I, I just, when you look at, he's, he's, he's built to play right away. And maybe that, that, that uh, contributes to how impressive he's been as a young player. Some guys kind of need to grow into their bodies and learn how to be physical and that kind of thing. He's, he's that right away. And we've talked about this on previous podcasts, but I mean, he's guarding Pascal Siakam and uh, LeBron James. And I'm forgetting guys that he's, I think he had some Kawhi Leonard time, some Zion Williamson time. He's holding his own against everybody. And he's going to have some off nights like he did Sunday against the Timberwolves. But what a what a weapon that guy could be where he can play four, he can play three, he can guard a bunch of different positions. And just when he when he goes to the rim, people can't handle him. Um he doesn't always finish, but there's there's something there. And uh yeah. And there's never been that sense of uh, do I belong? You right, know, he's just, right. that, that confidence just oozes out of him. Exactly. How did that how did that guy fall in number twenty nine in that draft? I, I, have, I have one idea. I've heard I've heard John Calipari say this. I think about Kelvin Johnson is that you you he, you go to Kentucky and you're in one of those giant star-studded recruiting classes, and you have you if you're not Anthony Davis or Carl Anthony Towns, you can find a, you can kind of slip through the cracks there. And yeah, if, you know you're, you're the third best player at Kentucky that year, but you you might be the best pro prospect, and people don't see it. And he was the third. Keldon was the third guy from Kentucky that year to go in the first round. Um, and because he wasn't Tyler Hero or, or um, PJ Washington, like maybe he didn't get the showcase that, that he would have if he had been just going to uh, some other school and being the star. So I wonder if that has something to do with with how he slipped. I have a friend named. Um, there's a guy named Dustin. No, you don't come on. This well, is that's our. That's true. I, I, I know a person. Oh, you, sir. I know a person named Dustin McComas uh, who works in Austin and, and goes to a lot of the, the AAU circuit type stuff. He's, he's a big recruiting guy and uh, also happens to be a big Rockets fan. And uh, he'd been watching Kelvin Johnson since he was 16, 17 years old. And the night of the draft – uh, Dustin, Dustin told me just exasperated. It's like of all the teams, like how many NBA teams are going to just be annoyed and, and frustrated that of all the teams to wind up with Keldon Johnson, it's the San Antonio. Of course the Spurs ended up with them. The guy, the guys who've been watching that kid since he was younger knew that he was going to be special. And I think Jeff's right. He, he kind of got overshadowed. At Kentucky, people people tend to overthink the draft sometimes. Maybe the Spurs even did when they didn't take him the first time. But when they got him with the number 29 pick, uh, some people saw that as a steal. I think it's working out that way. And it kind of goes – Again, 
they they picked him second of yep. the two picks. Right. I remember uh, talking to Hero in Washington at the All Star Game uh, last year in Chicago about Keldon. And Keldon was stuck in the G League at the time. Mm-hmm. And here's Hero in Washington playing in the Futures game at, at All-Star Weekend. And they they both were steadfast, you know, in saying that he he's gonna be, you know, he's gonna be something. Just just give him time and he's in a he's in a he's with a franchise that does things differently, you know, mm-hmm. with sticking guys in the G League. But they I just got the sense they weren't just saying that to be nice they they really meant it that that you know just get him out of the g league and you're going to see what he can do well and and to go back to the chicken and egg debate or or discussion we've we had on the podcast in previous seasons about Keldon johnson lonnie walker Derek mm-hmm. white Dejounte murray um does their success early in their nba career mean they should have shouldn't have been in the G league as long or does their success early in their NBA career kind of owe to all the confidence they built playing in the G league. Um, I, I, think, I guess we're finding out a little bit with Vassal now. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Mike, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Well, just see what Vassal can, you know, what, what, what occurs with Devin, you know, being thrust into it early and not having that G League experience and those summer league summer league uh, experiences. He he might not have been a guy taken with the was it number eleven pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he might yeah. not have been a guy that would have gone anyway. Um, but knowing the Spurs, you know, he probably would have had a night or two there. Yeah, but, but I I do think that it's it's fair to say uh, two things in that. Uh, Keldon probably could have been effective as a rookie last year had he just been thrown to the wolves. Um, but I, I think it's also fair to, to think that he's better this year because of the time that he had, you know, all those minutes that he had in Austin. So uh, something to look forward to as they, uh, as they head into the rest of the season, we'll see if, uh, if he ever hits that wall that some, some young guys hit when they're having success early in their career. Um, Lonnie Walker, Maybe he found something last night, uh, and uh, you know we'll we'll see if if Demar and, and Derek come back anytime soon. Hey, hey did you uh, did you tell everyone where to find the newsletter and all that stuff? Uh, I told them about ExpressNews.com, and I oh, guess we have a website now. Yep, yep. Wow, yep. they can like find Bob other Rogers. things. <laughs> they can find other things besides the Spurs. They can find probably um, highlights of the the Pudo politics interview with Joaquin Castro on there too, if they're so inclined to, to read about such trivial matters rather than the Spurs. Um, so yeah, go, we're winding down. That's, that's a good way to finish. I know the Spurs, I know the Spurs are the most important thing in your lives, but you know, go ahead and, and think about other stuff too. Um, there's, there's, there's other stuff going on in the world that you can, you know, I, I, I tried that earlier this week. Did I not didn't enjoy care it. For it. Didn't <laughs> care for it. Yeah, it's, it, it can be up and down. It can be up and down, but, um, we'll be back next week to, to talk about the Spurs. And until then, everybody should just go out there and take care of each other and keep it real. <laughs>